Yeah, so, the suggestion was, right, that the only way someone could be charged if their commander-in-chief would be after they're impeached and convicted. Yeah, right? and, and that's, you know, Trump's attorney's argument is, right. you know, the Constitution has a process for presidents who may conduct criminal acts while in office. That's called impeachment. And if that process doesn't play out, these other courts don't have jurisdiction, particularly after he's out of office. But then the prosecutors lay out this scenario of, OK, I did some bad stuff. I know impeachment's on the way. I resign. So one then. Clean right, slate. Right, right. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. The Milwaukee police officer shot a week ago during a domestic violence call is now out of the hospital. Dear Lord, we're so grateful for watching over Dan over these past days. We're grateful for the care and the caregivers he's been given here as he's been at Freighter Hospital. Yeah, prayers for the officer. Fellow officers lined up outside the hospital as Officer Dan Morell was rolled out, still in a wheelchair. He was shot in the leg. But it was nasty. This is a significant injury. Well, so that's kind of the point of, outside of the fact that he's out of the hospital and folks want to know how he's doing, kind of the point of why I bring it up now, Eric. The uh, police union president, Andrew Wagner, described a little bit of what is ahead for Officer Morell. It was great to see that he is... Uh, uh, to a point where he can re- be removed from the hospital. But I know that his, his journey is just beginning and his recovery is uh, is going to be a long one. So that's something we don't focus enough on. I mean, you hear shot in the leg and you hear the news reports. I think we probably said it at some point. The officer who was shot is going to be okay. And I think it's important we choose our words carefully. Going to survive doesn't necessarily mean going to be okay. Officer Morell had multiple surgeries in the last week. The bullet nicked an artery and shattered his femur. So that's a big bone in the leg. Kind of important thing. And so he has a long recovery process ahead of him. And I mean, does shattered femur sound like okay to you? No. Not okay to like, how are <laughs> no. you? If, I'm okay. That's not something I would say if I shattered part of my leg. So remember, and, and I'm sensitive to this because I remember interviewing Officer Jeff Griffin of the Wauwatosa Police Department years ago. Now, Griff, I knew because he was the school resource officer when my dad and my stepmom and my wife were all teaching at Tosa East, and he was really beloved. And he would come into classes and talk to the students about their rights and stuff like that. So he's a model example of what a school resource officer should look like. He wanted to be a detective, and he became a detective with Wauwatosa, and he was shot on the job. And after the whole case was adjudicated and everything went through court, he agreed to sit down and do an interview with me. And I remember saying to him, I'm like, man, I remember in the news reports we said, Officer Griffin is going to be okay. But then I'm like, I looked at like what you've gone through, what the recovery process was. I'm like, were you okay? And he said, I was not okay. Absolutely not, right? Maybe on the road to okay. Sure. Right? But in that time, in that moment, not okay. So... We certainly hope Officer Dan Morrell ultimately gets to okay, survived, yes, grateful for that, recovering from multiple surgeries now, finally back home, trying to get full use of his leg back as well, but a painful recovery. Okay is a process still in the works. 7.15 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Sports is up next. It's sponsored by Holiday Automotive and Highway 23 in Fond du Holiday Automotive, it's worth the trip. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Green Bay Packers will hit the practice field for the first time this week as they get set to take on the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC's wildcard round on Sunday afternoon. Jordan Love finished maybe his best game of the season in that 17-9 win over the Bears and enters this year's playoffs feeling pretty good about where his offense is headed. You know, like I said, coming into it, 
it's been a whole process that we've had to grow together and just continue to get everybody on the same page and you know work through the the errors and you know things that weren't looking as pretty early on so like I said it's been a process but um, it definitely was not easy and it's a credit to everybody in the locker room just find ways to like I said get better every week um, improve their game and kind of knock out that uh, mentality that we're just a young team and people have stepped up huge. The Packers will enter the playoffs as the youngest team in the NFL to make the postseason but with the leadership from QB1 Head coach Matt LaFleur knows this team has the right guy leading them into a hostile environment. He's a tough-minded sucker now. Um, you know, his family did a hell of a job raising him in terms of just what he's all about. He is, I think you guys would all agree, the, the ones that know him in here. He, he is He's about all the right things. And, you know, the guy just comes to work every day, has a great attitude, is one of the guys has has really improved over the course of four years. And I'm just super happy for him. He, he's earned it. The Packers will practice later today as they get ready for that Sunday 3.30 kickoff in Arlington. Over to College Hoops, where the Wisconsin Badgers basketball team moved up six spots in their rankings as they come in today as the number 15 ranked team in the country. The Badgers will be on the road in Ohio State to take on the Buckeyes. That tip-off is all set for 7.30. And lastly, more College Hoops. The 11th ranked Marquette Golden Eagles will play host to Butler tonight at Pfizer Forum. The Golden Eagles coming off a close loss on the road to Seton Hall last week as head coach Shaka Smart says he wants to use that loss as a lesson moving forward for his team. You know, I think it comes down to as a group, uh, we're continuing to learn. Our guys are continuing to learn. We're not entitled to winning. It's going to feel hard. It's going to be hard. And, you know, we, we, we have to accept that 1,000% and then do what it takes. Tip-off time for Butler and Marquette set for 8 p.m. tonight. Full coverage will begin over on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee, beginning at 7 p.m. Coming up, we're going to dive into the Trump legal arguments here at the appellate level. This is former President Donald Trump arguing that presidents have absolute immunity for largely whatever they do while they're in office. Some interesting arguments made on both sides of that. We'll bring that to you next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Seven twenty-four on Wisconsin's Morning News. Some fascinating arguments made in former President Trump's efforts to get some of the federal charges of election interference against him dropped. As his attorneys argue, presidents have absolute immunity from prosecution for official acts they execute during their terms. To authorize the prosecution of a president for his official acts would open a Pandora's box from which this nation may never recover. Well, both sides are calling it a Pandora's box, and we'll get a little bit more into that. That's former President Trump's attorney, D. John Sauer, in arguments before a three-judge panel in Washington on Tuesday. So I'll share his strongest illustration of that point in a moment, but let's kind of lay out both sides of the argument. The federal appeals court is deciding whether the special prosecutor can continue to bring charges against Trump for efforts to overturn the 2020 election. That's what's in front. ABC News legal contributor Kate Shaw. They say that ruling against Trump here will basically open the door to tit-for-tat prosecutions of every former president. The response by the special counsel's attorney was, look, presidents and former presidents have been investigated in the past, and they have not been charged because we've never had conduct like the conduct that former President Trump is alleged to have engaged in on and before January 6th. And unless that kind of conduct recurs, we're not going to see some opening of the floodgates. It's interesting. Like, both sides are saying, well, if you do this, that sets a terrible precedent. Right. So what is, what is the precedent? So 
you have kind of both sides laid out there. Let me have uh, Trump's attorney now make his strongest argument for his position. Here again is Sauer. Could George W. Bush be prosecuted for obstruction of an official proceeding for allegedly giving false information to Congress to induce the nation to go to war in Iraq under false pretenses? Could President Obama be potentially charged with uh, murder for allegedly authorizing drone strikes targeting U.S. citizens located abroad? So interesting that those things happen. Remember, the WMD premise for going to war in Iraq under W. Bush. Weapons of mass destruction. Right, that weren't there. And, you know, former President Bush has always defended that, saying it was bad intel. It wasn't, you know, anything nefarious. People can argue over that. Uh, Sauer is saying, should he be prosecuted in court for that? The Obama reference, you know, my friend Scahill, who we've had on the show, mm-hmm. Jeremy Scahill, investigative reporter, uh, reporting in his book, Dirty Wars, that President Obama was the one who ordered a drone strike that killed Anwar al-Awlaki in Yemen. Administration said he was a terrorist. He was also a U.S. citizen. He wasn't arrested. He wasn't process, uh, prosecuted with due process. He was, he was taken out. So should he be prosecuted for that, for a war crime or for, as the attorney indicated, murder? That's Attorney Sauer's argument. Now, here's the response from prosecutors on that. Special counsel prosecutor called that a dangerous precedent. What kind of world are we living in if, as I understood my friend on the other side to say here, a president orders his SEAL team to assassinate a political rival and resigns, for example, before an impeachment? Not a criminal act. President sells a pardon, resigns, or is not impeached? Not a crime. I think that is extraordinarily frightening future. Yeah, the suggestion was, right, that the only way someone could be charged if their commander-in-chief would be after they're impeached and convicted. Yeah, and and that's, you know, Trump's attorney's argument is, you know, the Constitution has a process for presidents who may conduct criminal acts while in office. That's called impeachment. And if that process doesn't play out, these other courts don't have jurisdiction, particularly after he's out of office. But then the prosecutors lay out this scenario of, okay, I did some bad stuff. I know impeachment's on the way. I resign. So one then. Clean right, slate. Right, right. Interesting argument playing out. Ultimately, a lot of folks expect this to get up to the next no level. No matter how it's decided. At the U.S. Supreme Court. It is 727 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Packers heading into Dallas. Offense feels good. How about that defense? <laughs> Brandon mm. Snide looks at that at 745. An update on the Aaron Rodgers v. Jimmy Kimmel feud. Then it might be time to put this to bed. <laughs> we'll see. The back, the fourth, the back, the fourth. So, yeah. Now we're at the fourth. So, yeah. So the Kimmel uh, side of this threatened a lawsuit when Rogers simp- uh, implied on ESPN's Pat McAfee show last week that Kimmel would be on the Epstein list. This is what he said. A lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't happen. <laughs> And Kimmel threatened a lawsuit after that, also ripped Rogers on Monday. Aaron got two A's on his report card. They were both in the word Aaron, okay? (laughs) So now we're hearing from Mr. Rogers. I'm not stupid enough to accuse you of that with absolutely zero evidence, uh, concrete evidence. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so Rogers on the Pat McAfee show on ESPN yesterday says that he never implied that Kimmel was on the list. He only said that he wouldn't want it to come out. Now, this all stemmed from Kimmel making fun of Rogers for suggesting a hearing on UFOs was being held in order to distract from a possible Epstein list last year. Rogers says, hey, I'm not apologizing, but I'm glad he's not on the list. I'm glad that, that Jimmy uh, is not on the list. I really am. And and uh, I don't think uh, he's the P word. So he said P word meaning a pedophile there. He didn't apologize. He did take a jab at Kimmel's intelligence. It's impressive that a man who went to uh, Arizona State and has 10 uh, joke writers can read off a prompter. 
So, you know, my education at JUCO and my three semesters at Cal that I'm very proud of uh, has worked out for me, and I'm glad to see it's worked out for him as well. So I wish him the best. Yeah, so that maybe putting it to bed there. Kimmel did mention last did night. Did he pop that, back then? Well, kind of. Real quickly, he said it's been a busy week butting heads with delusional people. Uh, but other than that, not really. Okay, so, both, both sides are treating to their corners now. <laughs> yeah, kind of. That's that. Sounds like, right. I do find it interesting, like, all the influencers that jump on board this nonsense. Like, and I don't know why. I'm trying to figure out what their motivation is. People on both sides on social media post something and say, oh, you know, just ripping Rogers or ripping Kimmel and, like, trying to, oh, man, Rogers just owned him yesterday or oh, Kimmel's just blowing up Rogers. And they all post this stuff, and tens of thousands of people like it. I, I don't understand. I'm just fascinated by these influencers, is the word I'll use, that try to pick a corner on this and push their agenda and what their motivation is there. But that happened a lot with this case. Textbook case of influencers trying to redirect the narrative on both sides of this. This news report brought to you by Steinhoffels. Visit them at steinhoffels.com. Wednesday morning, Wisconsin's Morning News. Super excited for a cool interview we've got coming up next hour. Efren Ramirez joins us live in the 8 o'clock hour. If you're playing along at home, I'll give you a moment. Best known for his role in this film that premiered 20 years ago. Efren Ramirez. You got it yet? Still there a cake or something. (laughs) You got it now? (laughs) Efren Ramirez was Pedro in Napoleon Dynamite. Girls only want boyfriends who have great skills. Aren't you pretty good at drawing, like, animals and warriors and stuff? Yes. Probably the best that I know of. Yes. <laughs> so, Efren... An amazing film, by the way. <laughs> right? For so many 20 years reasons. ago. If you ask me, I was telling my kids this, if you ask me, when, when did Napoleon Dynamite come out? I'd be like, seven years ago. <laughs> it's been 20. <laughs> if you had asked me if that movie was going to be any good when it first came out, I'd been like, no. Based on the preview or having seen it? No, uh, on the preview. Yeah, you watch a trailer, you're like, I don't even, what yeah, is this? come even? on. So uh, that's uh, Efren, John Heater, who plays Napoleon, and John Grease, who plays Uncle Rico. They're all coming to the Paps Theater later this month. This is one of these, we screen the film, and then they do the talk back with the three actors. Yeah, yeah. They're on this tour now on the 20th anniversary. Brilliant. So Efren Ramirez joins us live at 8.40 this morning. Both for Pedro. Both for Pedro. Both for Pedro. Both for Pedro. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. After a Week 18 win over the Bears to head to the postseason, the Packers are beginning their prep today as they get set to face off with the Cowboys in the NFC wildcard round. A game and a task head coach Matt LaFleur knows won't be an easy one. we got to go on the road and earn it. And certainly uh, going to Dallas is not going to be an easy task. Got a lot of respect for what Coach McCarthy's been able to establish there. Um, they got a lot of great players. You know, we saw them last year, and it was it was a tough battle. Um, so, you know, we're going to have to be at our best in order to go down there and, and come away with the victory. The Packers have won three straight games to get into the playoffs, and per the Elias Sports Bureau, Sunday's game will be the first time in NFL history that the outright top two touchdown passing leaders will face off in their team's playoff opener. 
Former Packers quarterback and four-time MVP Aaron Rodgers made his weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee Show on Tuesday and shared some of his thoughts on one of those quarterbacks in Jordan Love. Where's all the criticism? It's a little quiet. It's always fun to quiet those people, though. Uh, proud of him. You know, he's he, uh, he's a great kid, and he's had a nice season. And a lot of people were piling on at 6-8, and eight, weren't they? I texted him before the game. I think that's uh, 10 in a row now. But yeah, I mean that was uh, that was pretty masterclass performance by Jordan. Like he had only what six or seven incompletions, five or six incompletions. Yeah, yeah, he played uh, he played great. Took care of the football, made uh, made a lot of plays. Packers will get back out on the practice field later today as they get set to face off with the Cowboys. Hey, at some point, does Jordan Love be like, dude, you don't have to text me before every game? <laughs> I thought that's cool. Like, I mean, how if, close of friends are they? Let's say this though. <laughs> Let me say this: if he's going to text him and he's only going to have five incompletions, right. keep texting. Right, him. whatever you're doing, I yeah, suppose. Respect the streak. Keep doing it. Over to college gyms, where the Wisconsin Badgers basketball is back in action tonight, as they are in Ohio State to take on the Buckeyes. Greg Gard's Badgers have won four straight and will look at look to make it five with another big road test. You know, there's a lot of things we got to get better at, but. Uh, this group is really connected. We got to get more connected on the defensive end, but they share the ball really well, and we got a lot of guys that can shoot it. Badgers, Buckeyes set for a 7:30 tip off tonight, and lastly, the 11th ranked Marquette Golden Eagles will look to bounce back tonight following their road loss to Seton Hall last week as they get set to host Butler tonight at Pfizer Forum. Head coach Shaka Smart says, despite that tough road loss last week. There are still lessons that can be learned going forward for his team. You know, I think it comes down to as a group, uh, we're continuing to learn. Our guys are continuing to learn. We're not entitled to winning. It's going to feel hard. It's going to be hard. And, you know, we, we, we have to accept that 1,000% and then do what it takes. Marquette Butler tip-off set for 8 p.m. at Pfizer Forum. Coverage on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee will get rolling beginning at 7. Mark Tauscher joins us next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Idea man. Yeah, I think if you're looking at from an expectation standpoint where we were, I'm still looking at this season in a big success. Innovative. This season has went very well, and if you can add in getting a playoff game and going down and playing a Dallas Cowboy team really tough at their place. And Packers Hall of Famer. I think you could look at that and say, mission accomplished. It's time for Tausch on Wisconsin's Morning News. Presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin and Kohler Services. Mark Tausch on Wisconsin's Morning News, sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. So Tausch, let's throw this at you. you got the youngest team in the National Football League that has made the playoffs, having shed their Hall of Fame quarterback, in a blockbuster trade, all of that happens. Brandon said last week that Jordan Love ought to at least be in the conversation for MVP. What about Matt LaFleur, Coach of the Year? What about Goody, General Manager of the Year? None of those things will happen, but should they be in the conversation? Uh, I mean, absolutely they should be in the conversation. And I think a lot of times, you know, from a national perspective, if you're not one of the top two seeds and your regular season didn't go you know, it's smooth. Like the Packers regular season did not go smooth. So you have a lot of losses. You have that growth. But when you look at the big picture in what you just said, you have all these young first and second year wideouts and tight ends. You have a quarterback starting for the first time and trying to figure it out and having as bad of an October as you did. All of those things, I think that's the part that unless you're here day in and day out, you don't really understand the I guess the gravity of how much growth there's been 
and how important that is. So from a coach of the year, you know, the coaches that end up winning it, they never have the best teams. It's always, what did they do with what they had? And I don't know if, I think the Packers, there's a, well, the Packers always get it figured out because the Cleveland Browns coach is going to win it. Stefanski's going to win it because he deserves it too. Their, their season obviously was a struggle. They had a bunch of injuries and things like that. But, man, when you just start taking a look at the whole thing, I think all of those things should be in play uh, as far as these postseason awards go. But why? Wait, why though? Why does the Cleveland Browns guy get it? Why? Because there's the, <laughs> a mean, Browns guy. Well, and everyone talks about like Brock Purdy. Okay, Brock Purdy's had a, a good career, a good year, but he also is surrounded by ridiculously great players. So shouldn't yeah. some of that come so into play why. for love? Yeah, no, all of it should. And I'm trying to. What I, I guess I'm trying to say is that when you still have eight losses that is kind of weighed against you uh, when you're looking at the, the big picture of who wins these awards. And the Cleveland Browns, they are on their fourth quarterback. They literally pulled a quarterback off of his couch, and they were in position to almost win their division. I think the Green Bay story gets a little bit undersold because we've been so good for so long, and I don't think everybody understands that this group is as young. I think people talk about, oh, yeah, it's a young team, but Jordan Love's in his fourth year, and – it came on a little bit late. They should be, but I'm just telling you how I think these voters look yeah. at it. It's about the expectation and the fact that Cleveland, with all of that stuff that happened, I think Matt LaFleur's story is just as good as Kevin Stefanski's, if not better. But I understand why some voters look at it the other way. You know, it's interesting, Tausch, too. I mean, it's tough to preach patience to fans of any sport much less to Packers fans, but it's why you have to, and we talked about it through the season, evaluate guys based on the full body of work, a 17-game season. Because you could have made an equal parts argument for a complete collapse of this team when we went on that swoon midseason. And like it was entirely plausible that Matt LaFleur loses the team, guys stop believing, Jordan Love stops growing Defense with like we could have had a complete collapse, equally as likely as to the ascendancy that we've seen. A hundred percent, and that's why I think Matt Lafleur really deserves it because it is really hard in a locker room to keep a group together when you're having the failures that this team had, and especially you got a little bit of success early, and then you figured you couldn't find a way, and to keep a group together, especially you know this group, but. I will say this. I think one of the things that maybe I even overlooked in that whole process, if you have a lot of veteran players, it can sometimes be even more difficult because guys will look at it. So I'm in year eight or nine. We're sitting here at two and five. How invested are they going to stay in that season? When you have all these young guys that are trying to prove themselves and sticking with it, it is easier, I think, from a coach's standpoint to have young guys that have not felt any or tasted any NFL success. But what Matt LaFleur did from November on is incredible. And he deserves a lot of credit. And Brian Gutekunst developing it and putting it in place that you can have it happen. Uh, that's why I think everybody is so excited about how this season's played out. Thanks, Tausch. We'll talk again tomorrow. Sounds good. What are we, three sleeps away, four sleeps away three, yet? Three, yes. <laughs> Longest week in history for a Packers fan. I'm not saying we're going to win, but... I'm starting to think like that's not crazy to suggest. I get it.